Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis, all the time. I'm James Lang. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. And on Facebook at facebook.com backslash rock and rally tennis. Rock and Rally Tennis podcast episode number 173 is brought to you by careerwonder.com the ultimate career resource site featuring video interviews of professionals from a wide array of industries, sharing the stories, journeys, and insights about their careers and jobs at careerwonder.com. Welcome to another segment of Match Points, where we answer questions from our listeners. This is Match Points, segment number 20. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email us at askme at rockandrallytennis.com or message us on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash tennis or tweet us at rockandrally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. Let's get started. Jason from Astoria, New York writes, I'm a 4.0 level player in my early 30s. I started playing tennis regularly only a couple of years ago, so I know I still have a steep learning curve ahead of me. I lose a lot of close matches, which is frustrating. Even more frustrating is that many of these losses are against players that I believe I am significantly better than. Am I doing something wrong? What can I do to improve my results? Hey, Jason, thanks for your question. You know, without knowing more about your game, your opponents, and the specific circumstances of your matches, I'll just take you at your word that your game is superior to many of those players to whom you have been losing. But let me share one thing with you at this time because it so happens I had this uh, discussion with a player just last week who also had been losing a lot of matches and expressing similar sentiments as it pertains to uh, as it pertains to how his game stacked up relative to those of his opponents. So please consider this as a general comment that may or may not apply to you. Now, I discussed this topic in podcast episode number 66. There is a fine line between confidence and overconfidence. It goes without saying, overconfidence is not ideal. I think most people understand that, so I won't go into too much detail as to why that's the case. But real briefly, overconfidence can be detrimental because it often leads us to making flawed or inaccurate assessments of our own skills and abilities as well as those of our opponents. It can also lead us to establish unrealistic expectations, to making not-so-prudent strategic and tactical decisions, and ultimately to poor execution. But the most detrimental aspect of overconfidence, in my view, is that it can lead us to feel what I refer to as uh, being entitled to win. Simply defined, entitled to win is overconfidence taken to a whole new level. It's that state of mind where you delude yourself into believing that you deserve to win simply because you showed up for your match, expecting to hit winners left and right, and naturally your opponent would fall apart like cheap toilet paper in the presence of your greatness. Now, when you go into a match feeling entitled to win, your focus and energy levels are already compromised because of excessive overconfidence. You're not prepared mentally or physically uh, to compete because you believe the outcome is a foregone conclusion. You don't play your normal game. You don't adhere to a strategy. You're neither prepared nor ready to engage in a battle, and so on. I mean, to put it another way, maybe a bit facetiously, you're shocked when things don't immediately go your way and are practically offended that your opponent didn't simply wave the white flag. The biggest difference between being overconfident and being entitled to win 
is that when you are overconfident, there is at least still a chance you will snap out of it during the match, get back to basics, and compete to win. But when you feel entitled to win, there is no chance you will come to your senses in time to salvage the match. Typically, when you feel entitled to win, you don't realize it until the match is over and you've lost. Food for thought. I appreciate your question, Jason. Mike from Chatsworth, California writes, In my tennis group, I'm always the first one who gets to the courts because the facility I play at is about 20 miles from my house, and traffic in Los Angeles is often unpredictable. I'm usually at the park 15 to 20, sometimes 30 minutes before any of my playing partners arrive. Aside from doing some stretches and other warm-up exercises, what can I do to make good use of the time before the other players get there? Hey Mike, thanks for your question. You know, it goes without saying, sitting around waiting for your playing partners to show up doesn't do a whole lot for your game. I, I always encourage players to try to maximize the productivity of their court time. Even when you are by yourself on the court, there are a lot of things you can do to improve your game. You know, most often I'll see players hit a few practice serves uh, when they're waiting for their partners to arrive or they'll drop feed the ball and practice a few groundies. I mean, that's fine, of course. But I like to encourage players to spend that time getting reps on shots they normally don't practice. For example, instead of just hitting regular forehands or backhands off of your own drop feed, hit some offensive lobs or slices off of each wing. You can even use your tennis bag or sports bottle as targets and lay them out on court. I mean, you get the idea. You'll end up getting several minutes of reps for a shot on which you don't typically spend much, if any, time on. A shot on which you get to improve your feel, control, and confidence. Now, this is valuable practice that really puts to use those minutes that are typically wasted or regarded as throwaways. Now, this is merely one way in which you can amp up the product productivity of your court time. Again, there are a lot of things you can do to improve your game while waiting for your friends to arrive. Hope that helps. Thanks for your question, Mike. Sandy from Seattle, Washington writes, I'm 46 and started to play tennis again about five months ago after not playing the game for more than 20 years. I love it and I'm completely hooked. For the past few months, I've been taking one-on-one -on -one and group lessons about once a week. During the lessons, I'm able to do most everything right. Unfortunately, I can't seem to replicate that with much consistency during matches. What can I do? Hey Sandy, thanks for reaching out. It's great to hear from you. First things first, congratulations on picking up tennis once again. I I'm always happy to hear when players reignite their passions for this wonderful sport. I hope you will continue to play for many, many years to come. Now, what you've described is, well, you're perfect during practice, but muddled during match play. Now, it's very common and not all that surprising, given that you know, you've only recently picked up the game again after such a long layoff. Now, I certainly applaud you for diving in and giving yourself a good opportunity to improve your game with regular instruction in match play. The suggestion I have for you is simple. Work on one or two things at a time. In other words, take one or two manageable bites. Don't try to finish the entire pie in one sitting. I know this is an exciting time in your tennis journey when energy and enthusiasm are very high, so it's natural to want to get up that learning curve as quickly as possible. But it's also important to maintain perspective and consider that it's been only five months since you've picked up a racket again after a layoff of over 20 years. It's going to undoubtedly take some time for things to gel. Working on one or two things at a time, getting them right, and then moving on from there rather than trying to work on everything simultaneously is a prudent way to approach your re-immersion into tennis and will help you get your game to where you want 
sooner and better. I'd also be remiss not to underscore this. Please do continue to try to implement in matches what you learn from your lessons. That is always a necessary ingredient for enabling you to take what you can do on the practice court to center court. Thanks for your question, Sandy. Folks, as always, thanks for your questions. Keep them coming. As a reminder, if you'd like to send us a question, email us at askme at rockandrallytennis.com or message us on our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash rockandrallytennis or tweet us at rockandrally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.